Welcome to the Onyx Podcast. I'm this week's host, Dixie Cochran, here with neither of my co-hosts because, ah, ha, 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 for once I am hosting the roundtable. It is not Matthew. It is not Eddie. It is me. It is my roundtable. I set it up. I picked the guests. We are going to have a great time. Uh, speaking of which, today we are talking about Cavaliers of Mars, because that is our product for the month for our 10th anniversary. I'm super excited to talk about this one because I always say on the po- po- on the podcast, podcast, I don't know, whatever this is, that it doesn't get enough love, in my opinion, as a game system and as a game setting. Um, you will have already heard our interview with Rose Bailey. If you haven't, go back last week and listen to that. Uh, but this week, I'm sitting down with three people who wrote on the books, as I did myself and edited the uh, core. Um, and we're going to talk about what we love about Cavaliers and also kind of our memories of it. Because it's it's been a few years since that one came out and since we were working on it. So we probably all have kind of hazy dreamlike memories, which I think is appropriate for this game specifically. Because I think a hazy dreamlike memory really works for Cavaliers of Mars. Uh, so first, I will be welcoming frequent Pathcast guest because she works on so many of our properties. Danielle Lazon. Hello. Hi, Dee. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I mean, you've been on like every roundtable. You were on the infamous hamburger roundtable. Well, that's just that was on it. That, and now I'm on this. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying. I, I I just feel like you're all over because you do our like you do Trinity, you do Scion, you do Cavaliers of Mars, you do some World Darkness stuff, you do Requiem, like I do a lot of stuff. I really do. Yeah, no, you were you were all over the place. I mean, hell, I even got you on Exalted recently. Like, come on, heck yeah, heck yeah. Uh, so, of course, I think people recognize uh, D there. Uh, secondly, somebody else that you have heard from kind of recently, we have Steffi Devan. Uh, hey, I'm I'm Steffi, the YF tree woman of your nightmares. <laughs> I think I think you would be a YF woman if you were in Cavaliers. That's like. Exactly what you would be. I have no idea what I would be. Probably just like a red margin, honestly. But I do love the Wyatt woman, and we can definitely talk about them more. Um, that's super exciting. Oh, also, just so y'all know, whoever's listening, we have not yet heard Rose's interview. So if we say anything that she said, we're sorry. Um, but we figured that she should have her own spotlight interview, so we gave her one. Uh, Steffi, of course, also has worked on a ton of our projects uh, from Cavaliers to Legend Lore to lots of World of Darkness and Chronicles of Darkness stuff. Uh, kind of all over the place some some scions some trinity everything uh when, when we find good writers we just like to keep them and 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 use them on anything we can yes you keep hiring me and i'm like that works that that's great please please keep that mindset we like you yes um and then last but not least we have someone who's new to the podcast um audrey whitman hello uh, audrey also worked on cavaliers i think audrey worked on cavaliers since before it even kind of became a thing. I know that you were working with Rose very closely. I was working with Rose very closely on this from the time that it was a, it was designed for a wholly, like wholly different system. It was going to be a port for another game. Oh, okay. Was this, was this pre red and black system even? Yeah, this was pre red and black system. Well, we, we'll, we'll get into that in a minute then, because mm-hmm. that's going to be very interesting for me and for our listeners, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Audrey has also written for us a fair amount, but mostly on Cavaliers, and I, I know you've been taking a bit of a break for a while. Yeah. Mostly Cavaliers and Changeling. Those are the, right. the two that I've worked on the most. A little bit of Vampire. Yeah, I, I, I feel like your tone tends to be um, a little bit whimsical, but serious, if that makes sense. Spooky whimsy, sure. Spooky whimsy. Serious whimsy. Yeah, I, and that's that's perfect for those lines. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so we can definitely talk about some of that in a little bit. Um, so th this is a roundtable. I know you've all heard of roundtables before. Sometimes they go off the rails. Who knows what we're going to end up talking about. But uh, for right now, I am going to actually start with Audrey because I want to hear this story. So what, what, what do you remember of the genesis of Cavaliers of Mars? Okay, so the genesis of Cavaliers of Mars that I remember, and this may not perfectly match up with Rose's version of this. That's, that's why memories are so interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I read what was probably like the first pitch for it um, when it was originally just going to be run with another system rules that we were going to play at like conventions, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, it was not originally, it didn't spin out into, oh no, wait, we have a whole system here. This can be its own game for right. probably a year or two. That's very, very cool. Um, so, mm -hmm. it, so it was just like a setting y'all were just going to play, just kind of hang out and play yeah. and... Mm -hmm. It just seems like fun. I think Rose had written sort of a paragraph treatment of it that she posted on Facebook or not, mm -hmm. not Facebook. No, this was like live journal. Oh, my this, gosh. Yeah. This was a million years ago. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, she'd written this little treatment that she posted online. And then we got to talking about it because she wanted to develop it out a little bit more as sort of a world setting. And then several years after that, we were like, oh, actually, this is its own whole game. We can write this whole new game right because for, for for people who aren't familiar with you what is a little bit of your background with uh the ccp white wolf folks as opposed to some of the newer onyx path exclusive folks okay sure i interned at ccp in 2009 and worked on the worst kept secrets in the mmorpg industry <laughs> Which we have we've talked about on the podcast pretty extensively since, uh, as Eddie likes to point out, any NDAs he signed are expired. So yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, they barely made me sign an NDA anyway. It was technically an NDA. <laughs> so yeah, I worked on one of the various iterations of the Vampire MMO, and while I was there, I met Rose and Joe and Eddie, and just was hanging out with them after that, after the internship had ended mm. and kind of came back to visit the office from time to time. I initially started out writing additional quests for the game, which is how Rose sort of got a hand on some of the writing that I'd been doing. And mm -hmm. she asked me to do like a, just a quick demo, basically the, the fiction for um, blood and smoke, I think. Oh Yeah. That, yeah, that, that just would make sense. Write a little bit of fiction. Let me see if it's terrible. If it's just fiction, then I can replace it pretty easily. And she really liked what I worked on for that. So we kind of continued to work together on various small and large role-playing game projects, either stuff that I was just writing for games that she was going to run between us or eventually working on these bigger books. Mm-hmm. CCP was wild, man. I, as, as as listeners know, I got to go there a couple times, and yeah, it was wild every time. Um, <laughs> also, I met you at a VNV Nation concert. Yes! In like 2009-ish. Yeah. 10, somewhere around there. I was there with uh, Pauline and Calvin. And, yeah, and I was there with Rose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And way in the distance, I'm like, wait, is that? Could it be? Is that someone I work with? Could it be? Is it somebody I work with? I ran into so many CCP uh, people at those concerts. Like every concert I went to for like five years when I lived in Atlanta was had at least two other CCP people at it. It's 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 almost like the subcultures uh, were friends <laughs> or, you know, 
a Venn diagram that was almost a perfect circle. A Venn diagram of industrial and goth concerts. Yes. Yeah. Who 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 also work on the the weird vampire game? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I ran into more teachers at the heavy metal concerts. I kept that's, running into my design weird. teacher at every heavy metal concert I went to. It got very weird. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So so that's kind of like extra extra history which is very cool mm-hmm. um and then on capillaries of mars itself you're listed as the senior writer is that yeah. because of your history with it because you helped develop so much of it i think it's partially for because of my history on it and because mm-hmm. i was in, so involved in all of the notes that went into the outline that eventually went to the rest of the writers mm-hmm. so a lot of the world building started off from treatment docs that i wrote that's so cool. Is, is 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 there any bit of setting or character that you're particularly proud of? I really liked the effort that we went to to make all of the civilizations noticeably culturally different mm-hmm. and to emphasize that it like that they could be both very alien but also familiar to us. Yeah, I I definitely get that and I really like it. So mm-hmm. that's that's awesome. Now, D, you got brought in um for the core, correct? That is correct, yes. And I know that you wrote a lot of it. I I did. I wrote a lot of the, like, setting, like, I wrote about the peoples, I wrote about mm-hmm. the religions, and, you know, when I look at, like, the bulk of the book is these cities, and I think a, a lot of the writers came in and wrote individual cities that have, like, plot hooks and areas and characters and things to do in these different locations, and that's, like, the bulk of the book and mm-hmm. I did write one of those I wrote battle him but I also wrote like like I said I wrote the 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 section about the peoples which is its own little chapter I wrote the section about religions which is its own little chapter I also wrote origins for the peoples and character creation I also wound up writing the job like talents mm-hmm. um like I wrote some mechanics I like I wound up writing writing a bunch of different little things i think i started with just i think the peoples and battle him and then rose kept asking me to write oh could you take on this oh you since you wrote the peoples can you write the origins Mm -hmm. uh in the character creation section yeah no problem oh since you wrote this can you write this yes no problem and like that just kept happening When I went back and looked and I had like five different documents. <laughs> it's always fun when it kind of explodes like that when it's like, yeah. it's like, oh, this person's good at picking up work out. I'm just going to yeah. keep asking them to pick up more work out. Like we had that happen on, on Exalted fairly frequently where it's like, oh, this person finished their draft early and then this person to drop off. Do you want to do more? Do you want to do more? And next thing you know, one person's written like 40K for a book and it's like, well, we're going to pay you. So, all right. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um. Audrey, do you have something to add? Uh, I just wanted to say that I really enjoyed working on the art notes for the the peoples that you wrote. Like, mm. I, I, I spent a lot of time going through what you had written and trying to come up with some really good source images to give to the artists at the end of that. So I, I just wanted to say that it was really fun to work on the art notes for your sections. Well, the art you, like, ended up getting for those sections is fantastic, honestly. It's so like, good looking through all the different like especially the peoples and how mm-hmm. they look is it's very excellent so you did a great job on that oh, i'm so glad thank you yeah it's, it's one of our few uh modern books that we have in black and white and not mm-hmm. not grayscale like the chronicles books where they're all one color but like legit black and white line art mm-hmm. and i think it is such a strong visual look for the line 
Oh yeah, I love it. And it, it, it's it's not an idea I would have thought of, mm-hmm. but like whether that was Rose or Mike Cheney or Rich or whoever, like that was such a great call because it, it's such a strong looking book. Yeah. And it's it's also evocative of like older school books, but with a much more modern mentality. And I, I like that that happened because Rose is such a fan of old school role-playing stuff, mm-hmm. but always wants to update things, obviously. And that was definitely inspired by the Mike Mignola cover from Fritz Lieber books. Yes. Yep. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I knew that because I have known Rose for so long, <laughs> but I, I forgot for a minute. But, yo, that, that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Steffi, also, you've, you've been on since the core as well. Um, and then there were three of us who also worked on some supplements. But what was your experience on the core? Yeah, it was it was wild. It was my my first book where I didn't know the system. Um, so it was completely new. Mm. Um, it was also the first new core book. Everything else was on on existing lines. Um, and also Rose just gave us so much creative liberty that it was amazing. Um, at one point, uh, there's this field with sentient fungus. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that came, I think that was in the outline. And then I was like, okay, what if it grows into a Fibonacci shell uh, and the shell travels back in time as you go towards the center? Uh, so it's like a mini universe in itself and it expresses itself through reliefs on the walls and it tells the tales of this area. And as you walk the shell, you go back in time. And Rose was like, okay, yeah, you can write that. <laughs> I-, I can? Okay. <laughs> Honestly, I, I so I, I wrote the first part of the Witch Queen of the Shadowed Citadel mm-hmm. adventure, the kind of lead into it. Um, and then Steffi, you wrote the the actual ad- adventure, the adventure part. Yeah. Um, and like I I had the same feeling where Rose was like, I don't know what's in that crack you put in the what's in that cave, you can put whatever you want in there. And I'm like, really? Like anything? Yeah. She's like, yeah, but anything. And I'm like, cool. We're gonna get weird. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a very weird book, and I love it so much because of its weirdness. Yeah, no, I, I, I always have trouble. Like, you can kind of sell people on Cavaliers of Mars. I mean, and not, 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 not sell is, and you have to buy this book, but like, get them interested in, right? Um, although you should buy, you should all buy the book. It's really good. It's really uh, good. <laughs> but like, it's 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 swashbuckling, but it's also got you know lasers and this that, and the other, and it's on Mars and it's Mars and it's dying age and this that and the other. But like, there's just so much in the book that is fascinating that it's hard to pick one thing and say like, here's why you should buy it. You know? Yeah, it's it's very sprawling, but it it's it's like if if somebody threw all of the Jack Vance novels together in a blender and then made it into a game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But 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 also threw in like a nice heaping dose of like queerness and and inclusivity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah true. If we actually made it modern, but the, the weirdness <laughs> and the weird sci-fi that is definitely. I'm pretty sure that's how that initial conversation about making this game came about. It's hey, what if we could take all of these old adventure novels and make them not politically shitty? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's 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 very yeah. It's very old. Because old fantasy sci-fi is different than modern. It, it's it's mm-hmm. weirder. It really is. It has a lot of stuff in it that, that nowadays readers would read and go, okay, but how does that work? Yeah. And back then it was just like, yeah, it's a Vesuvian woman who is 20 feet tall and also sometimes person-sized. She can be both. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that is actually really interesting looking at like older fantasy and 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 sci-fi versus modern is that because of where technology is now and where our understanding of the world is now and because of the internet and this that and the other, like I feel like people need to know the why. Which writers like Brandon Sanderson, for instance, do very well. They like set out their their whole magic system and how it works, and then everything fits fits into that. But if someone tried to write these novels of like the fifties and sixties today, people would just throw up their hands and be like, "They they never tell me why that works. I don't yeah, understand." Yeah, it works because it does, and the people in the world don't know either. So stop complaining. Mm. I, I really appreciate the total disregard in a lot of these science fiction novels that we're referencing for making any of it make sense. It makes sense because it makes sense. Fuck you. Read along. <laughs> exactly. Like, this is how the world works. Like, yes, exactly. And I actually still love that in science fiction and fantasy novels. Any ones that just don't want to bother explaining it to me, just go, okay, this is what's the case. Go with it. Yeah, if you don't exactly. go with it, then you haven't bought into the book and so put it down. I really like that, especially because I think that the best part about that is that it allows fans to come up with their own theories on mm -hmm. how things are working and what's going on. And I think that's really great for Cavaliers of Mars as well, is that it leaves a lot of space for what we're looking at as like, why is this this? Why is, you know, what what actually is the Witch Queen? Who, mm -hmm. you know, who is she actually from, you know, Venus or is she... You know, what, what is going on in this, uh, in her citadel? What is going on in, you know, all these different locations? We have so much going on in them, but we also leave so much unexplained that allows people to explore them on their own and create their own truths for them. And I, I think, Dixie, you said that, like, the characters don't even know why. Mm -hmm. And that's a very important, I think, extremely important aspect of you know, what Audrey was talking about, where these older novels, sci-fi and everything, they don't tell you why. And part of it is, is because explaining it would destroy some of the mystery, but also mm -hmm. you, you can't really explain some of the things they come up with and trying to would make it feel less genuine. Yeah, like, it, honestly, the other game of ours that it's closest to, and has been an ongoing joke as well, but they might have covered in the other thing, um, is Pugmire. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Because Pugmire is also this perfect blend of sci-fi and fantasy where oh, the characters oh, don't know oh, what's oh. happening. But, of course, so, the in-joke is that they're in the same universe. Yes, that's what I was about to say. Yeah. This has been an in-joke with uh, Eddie and Rose for as long as both of them have been working on that game. Yep, and like, like they, they may have covered it in their interview. I have no idea. But if they didn't, the joke is that, and this is not canon, not come after me, canon police. It's kind of um, canon. It's 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 headcanon for it's a lot head of us. Uh, that Mars is where the humans went when they left Earth to, to Pugmire. And now those humans are mostly gone or transformed into red merchants, etc. Um, with the other peoples. But if you go into the background of Cavaliers of Mars, one of the things that's interesting about it is that at one point Mars was, you know, colonized and settled and got all of their, you know, moisture things and canals and stuff built. But the current inhabitants of Mars don't know how those things work. And therefore... They can't fix them as they die. Please, anybody, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. It's been a hot minute since I read the opening of that book. No, yeah, that feels and accurate. Like yeah. Some of the rivers run backwards in time yes. or forwards in time. And I get, look, why? Because they do. I, I remember I wanted to ride, a, a, I was watching a series back then. It's called Skyland. It's an anime uh, mm -hmm. where the world, Earth, has been destroyed and it's been ripped apart in like actual chunks of planet. 
uh, which all still share an atmosphere and then people go in skyships from one chunk of the planet to the other. And I loved it back then. Uh, I'd only watched four episodes or something, but it's, it's really well done. So I was hooked after four episodes and I wanted to write that. So I was like, okay, so uh, there's this, these massive rocks and they're just floating in the air and they're really big, like people live mm-hmm. on them. People have farmsteads on them and fields and stuff. And why do the, flo- do the, do the rocks float? Because gravity in this particular area of Mars doesn't work as well as in the rest of Mars. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's the reason. And and the, the the reason for that, if you want to get like really technical about it, because some people do, could be having to do with the humans long ago who colonized Mars, right? And who built all these weird things that everybody doesn't know how they work now, because we're talking about far future technology from our current standpoint. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It could be, but I didn't feel like explaining it, so I was like, could, it could be technical, but I don't, but it could also be magic. And I was like, mm-hmm. the, it, it's it's a gravity. I don't want to explain why gravity is bad in this space. It just is. And I love that Rose is like, yeah, okay, that works. Right. And Audrey, you were going to say? Oh, I was just going to say that uh, the fiction and some of the characters provide a bunch of alternate versions Mm -hmm. of sort of explanations about why certain things might be the way they are. Because if you yourself were in that world, you'd have lots of theories about who the first Martians were and right. what they did and maybe like old wives tales about oh well this river flows backwards because a uh, one of the first Martians looked at it funny it's mm-hmm. the kind of lore that builds up when you're in a world that is populated with machines that are so old that the oldest living memory in your area doesn't know where it came from right it's basically landscape mm-hmm no, that's that's amazing, and I love it. Like, I I I love the machines essentially being part of the landscape for for these folks, you know, and having them just be like, oh, that's a that's that that's a weird mountain. That's 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 the mountain that has lights and makes sounds sometimes. We don't go over there, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. So we, we were talking a little bit before uh, we started the actual recording about the characters and how much fun they are to write, and I I think that for me personally, what I like about them is that almost every NPC in the, not almost, every NPC in the book has a little, like, two-sentence blurb and then some really interesting dice stats that are just a lot of fun to write. Um, does anybody have any particular favorites or just any insight onto why, why they enjoyed that process or how it works? I really enjoyed working on it because you get to, as you say, summarize an entire person in about two sentences. You get a little bit of a blurb at the beginning and then you have to name all of their traits. Mm -hmm. And with the set of those traits, you need to tell sort of a a snapshot of who this person is. And that's it's great because all of them become really particular, annoying or like lovable characters. Um, Yeah. The, the one that I actually personally really liked was just well, from my own sections, one that I liked was uh, Etienne, who describes himself as the unluckiest man on Mars, but is in fact the luckiest man on Mars because he <laughs> continues to survive stupid, stupid things that happen to him constantly. It's like, oh, I was almost eaten by a lamia. Oh, I fell down this cliff, but I lived. Oh, I fell down this other well, but I lived. Oh, I managed to find all of these things and I made a perfect map, but that's terrible because now people want to talk to me. Right. Yeah, no, I just, just to give an example, I, I, I opened the book randomly to uh, a section of the cities and regions and I have opened to the, the damsel's tomb, which is a very 
whole thing in general. But one of the Ooh, char- I wrote that. <laughs> okay, well then I will I will read one of Danielle's pieces. Yay! Uh, one of the characters in it, a nameless Wyeth exalted missionary sister, speaker for the dead. So that's that's their entire description. And then their traits are communes with skulls d10, attuned to death d4, speaks with the voice d6, resolve d8, trouble has heretical beliefs. And so that's that's like you can picture that character perfectly, and it's so such so, such few words to describe that character, and I love that. Like I have not seen that as well done in many other game systems. Yeah, and what I personally love about it is that it puts a lot of power with uh, the 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 DM, the game mm-hmm. master, uh, and also with the players. It's a, it it creates a very yes and atmosphere in creating these characters together. Whereas if you've got an NPC and they have like a page background, then, you know, and, and those backgrounds are, are worked out very mm-hmm. well, like they're, they're well done, but that is now their character. Whereas with these blurbs, the character is whatever it turns up to be at your table. And I, I kind of love that. Yeah, it also means there can be hundreds and hundreds of NPCs in the core book, as opposed yes. to like an array of, you know, 20 or so which I think is really important for this this kind of RPG. Now, granted, once again, this is the second Cavaliers of Mars uh, podcast, so I'm not going as much into the like high-end blurbs. But, D, I'll give you a chance to talk. If you were trying to explain to a gaming group what Cavaliers of Mars was, what would you say? Oh, man. Cavaliers of Mars is a game in which you play swashbuckling adventurers on a dying planet. I mean, that's it. there's a lot of weird shit going on you don't know how it works and you're not concerned with fixing it you're only concerned with surviving and and doing Mm -hmm. your thing yeah you can do i mean it's 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 a game like a lot of our story path games where you can do a bunch of different kinds of gameplay Mm -hmm. um you can have a game with absolutely no combat whatsoever uh, where it's 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 all completely narrative, and you're out digging for treasures. You can have games where there is combat. You can have games where it's all about intrigue in one of the major cities, dealing with courtesans and princesses and things. Or you can have games where you know you're 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 out in the wilds, exploring some strange tomb uh, from from ancient times. And that's that's one thing that I think are really cool about that. And and then plus we also have all the peoples, who are super interesting. The actual playable peoples. I know that my personal favorite, I think one of, Steph- one of Steffi's too, is the Wyeth woman. So do you, do you want to explain a little bit about who they are, Steffi? Um, yeah, so uh, the Wyeth women are they, Mars is uh, dusty and it doesn't have a lot of water, except in this one canyon very deep in the, under the earth, where the Wyeth women live and they live in this jungle. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you've got Wyan, Wyeth women and their husbands and the husbands are literal trees and their children are born in tree pods and then the women are the humanoid trees but yeah it, it was weird to to write them and a lot of fun because they live at the canopy of this vast jungle so so to the rest of the martians this is a, a gigantic forest mm-hmm. but really it's just the top and then under underneath is where the monsters live and where uh, the husband trees are and where the pods of the children grow and where they dig up this weird spice that they then sell to all of Mars to give people visions. Um, I really enjoyed writing it. It was they were they were very weird and I love them deeply. That's awesome. Dee, 
Oh, yeah. I just wanted to add that, uh, you know, Steffi was talking about having the wives and the husband trees. And one of the cool things that I remember about them is that they they start out like they're born in pods and seedlings and they don't have a gender. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are, they're all essentially, it's like um, how bees uh, work where they, they start out all at the same level, but they're all women. And then when they mm-hmm. need more men, then a woman will volunteer and just grow, like become a, 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 a male tree and stick around for reproduction. Like that's it. That they're, they don't, that the men don't grow separately. They're just they're just women until they're men, mm-hmm. and and they need to be, and then they're men. <laughs> and so that that's also really cool. Yeah, yeah. The the, the your gender isn't fixed. It's yeah. mutable. Yeah, which is awesome. Audrey. Oh, I was just going to add that that was that was definitely a design consideration. One of the things that Rose and I talked about fairly early in the the process of developing the various uh, civilizations of Mars were trying to find ways for gender to be very optional Mm -hmm. or circumstantial rather than some innate property. I'm going to start putting that in my pitch for Cavaliers. Like, Cavaliers Mars is a gender optional game where you play as swashbucklers because that's honestly something that I end up talking to people at cons a lot uh, when when we used to have conventions in person. Um, And we would have our, our, you know, book on the table. And I always like to point out that the, uh, the primary figure on the cover is a woman with a beard. Um, and that's that's explicitly stated on the description of the cover on the inside, because yeah, gender is whatever you want it to be, kind of in Cavaliers. <laughs> like if you're a white woman, you're probably a woman, but you can you can play with that too. Obviously, gender is a vibe. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> uh, gender is a vibe. So, uh, much much like Exalted, some people's gender is war. Uh, some people's uh-huh. gender is intrigue. <laughs> exactly yeah i think i just just like to flip over to exalted for one second when we were working on essence one of our um our our main solar splat characters i think that me and monica described her as her 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 gender is war yes uh (laughs) which you know that that's okay um your your gender in cavaliers can be big hat my gender is captain Honestly, that kind of is your gender, D. <laughs> it really is. My gender is archaeologist. Very nice. <laughs> yeah, no, mine is mine is definitely big hat. Because whenever I think of a of a Cavalier's character, I just want to dress them like a musketeer. Um, that's, I love that's, it. That's, that's that's all I want them to do is have a big hat. And, Extremely valid. And like a yes. rapier and like a big feather in their big hat. I don't even know where feathers come from on Mars. I don't care. But they have a big feather hat. There are so many dinosaur birds that I wrote into the bestiary. Oh, so there are, aren't there? You have so many options for feathers. Dinosaur feather hat. Yes. Uh, so yeah, so I, I I, freaking love this game. I cannot talk about how much I love this game. <laughs> like, I, I, I can never stop. Um, and people, I, I don't know. Like, I just want to get more people into it. Is there anything in particular that y'all would point out to get somebody to like pick it up and try it if they haven't? Because I think the system is really simple, but I'm not good at describing systems. Um, and then also the range of characters is really cool. So the system is interesting because it's um, it's a, a little bit of a multi-dice system. Mm-hmm. You know, when Dixie was reading out the, the nameless uh, character, uh, you essentially have a descriptive thing that you're good at and a die associated with it. And when you're 
when you're taking an action that would utilize that, you roll that die. There's also colored dice that that play into the challenge as well. Um, but it's all honestly pretty intuitive as far as uh, once you learn the system, it's kind of fast to work with and easy to say, okay, well, I'm doing this. This is the die I'm using. Um, there's not a whole lot of math involved. Uh, so, you know, if you're switching from a game that is really heavy on math, like one of these other story path games, it still has a traditional feel to it. There's still different dice involved. Um, there's still rolling dice involved, clearly. Uh, but it's just a little easier all around to understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it, it's... Uh, I'm, I'm so bad at talking about systems. I'm so glad I have y'all on here. But the <laughs> the few times that I've gotten to roll dice on it, it it's been really simple to figure out. Um, and there is, of course, a drum start for it called the Festival of Blades, which I know, Audrey, you wrote with Rose? Yes. Um, and that has, of course, the the basic rules. It has some regions if you want to play a character that's already made for you. And it has an adventure. So what is that adventure about, if you even remember? I do not <laughs> remember. Uh, I know it takes place in Vance and there's revolutionaries. on a Yes, yes. I remember. I, I still get a running tally from Rose every time she finds out about somebody playing it to find out which characters people like because I just keep oh, nice. that in my head for oh so here was a kind of character that people enjoyed playing mm -hmm. and here is what they found interesting about them so that I can kind of keep that ticked away for future NPCs that I write because I also wrote a bunch of NPCs for Beautiful Anomalies another game that Rose worked on yeah and that that game is also very cool so if you want to check out Rose Bailey's stuff in general please do so I am never gonna tell people not to check out Rose Bailey's stuff because she is incredibly brilliant when it comes to game design oh, oh yeah oh my god she's like she is my aspirational mentor in game design. Like everything that Rose puts out, I'm like staring at it with my, you know, jaw open kind of slack going, this is so beautiful. I wish I had thought of it. <laughs> they're also <laughs> unique. It's really fun yeah. to work on them. Yeah. And they're pretty much all on drive through RPG. So um, mm -hmm. if, if Rose wanted to be modest in her interview and didn't plug stuff enough, then we're going to do it for her. Um, Rose's game. She has amazing. a Patreon, and she has a Patreon, so you should go yes. support Rose Bailey. She's amazing. She's so yes, amazing. She is. I keep running stuff by her for my own indie mm. games. Oh my god, that's such a great idea! Why haven't I been doing that? Yep. I know. But Rose is a resource <laughs> to the community. Oh my god! I'm so. I here. Look at me. I am Bobo the Fool. I have not been utilizing my Rose also, resource. Also, she works from home, <laughs> Dee, and you can get her on Google Chat pretty easily. Ah, uh, I'm not the smartest person <laughs> in the world. Okay, I don't think of these things. I always feel like that's such an imposition, but I I bet she would enjoy like noodling system design just like i enjoy noodling oh, she system really design. does like Dee, I, I have to tell you that as somebody who does not do a lot of system design that is still the primary thing she talks to me about and i'm <laughs> yes. always like that sounds cool uh-huh i'm not good at this like this is not my thing <laughs> what am i doing with all of my life uh. I, I i don't like now i just want to know when the bailey lausanne game's gonna play. i don't know like soon apparently <laughs> So she is very accessible. You should talk to her. We we yeah. chat about uh, source material all of the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm extra lucky in that I can drive 20 minutes and see her. But that's just me being lucky. 
I am so jealous. <laughs> I, I'm pretty jealous of that, actually. Although it, it's been a minute with the, you know, world being what it is. But hopefully soon. Just, just to get back a little bit to Cavaliers where we go off on our Rose Love Fest, which I'm totally fine with us having. One of the things I like about Cavaliers a lot that I don't see enough of in other RPGs, or if I do, sometimes it tends to be a supplement, is the uh, Game Master Resources chapter, chapter five in the core book. Um, it has a whole thing called the Persona Genesis machine. I love that I can say Persona Genesis, but I always stumble on your last name, D. That's very funny to me. But it has just tons of tables of names and traits and where people are from, and you can roll on them or you can just pick one. And then it has the Tribulation Engine to help you build adventures, uh, which is the same kind of thing. It has a bunch of locations and then a bunch of things that can happen at those locations and then a bunch of complications and tilts and secrets and all kinds of stuff. So it's like if you want to run this game and you're having trouble thinking of an adventure or an NPC, aside from all the ones we've already provided in the book, it is so easy to just make your own. Andy? Oh, I was just going to add that, like, that's super, like, old school rolling on tables, but it's mm -hmm. for it's for the GM and not for the player. And it's such a great way to utilize, like, a, a system of tables that is, you know, really an old school style of traditional game. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, but done in a way that is like, oh, you're having trouble thinking of what to run for this game, or you need a new character or personality. Here's some random tables. Roll on them. Yeah. I always love when I'm playing any game from, you know, D&D &D to Scion to Exalted to Cavaliers of Mars, and there's always somebody who's like, I have introduced an NPC, and then they get stuck on being like, B Bob, Dave, Bob, Dave, Bob, Dave, the Goblin. And, you know, they like, can't think of a name off the top of their head really quick. And in this one, it's like, you just look at this page and pick one of these hundred names, you know? And then you got your character. It's very right. easy. It's very easy. I love it. Uh, the other cool thing about Cavaliers of Mars for me is I, I know that for a lot of our game lines, since we published so many supplements, there are so many in the works for them. Like if you look at Scion, for instance, right? There's just a lot to pick up if you want everything. And Cavaliers is, is pretty much done. Like there's a core book. There's a jumpstart and there's uh, an expansion um, that has a couple of different things in it. That's enough to take you on so many adventures. Um, I think the base PDF for a lot of them are like $5, if that. Uh, it's also a really cool thing just to pick up and look at. Something that Rose and I talked about a lot when we were initially designing the book was mm. wanting a book that was complete, where everything that you would need to kind of tell as many stories as you want in this world could fit in this one book and mm. you wouldn't have to get any others sort of as a as a as a difference from some other lines not just like onyx path lines but in mm -hmm. lots of different settings you need one book and then you need another book and then you want a specific class that, that that's in this third book and it can be hard to piece that all together into a rhetorically consistent game Mm -hmm. So we're like, okay, what is the minimum amount of information somebody would need to play any kind of game they want to play using this setting? And let's find a way to fit it all in this book without making it overstuffed. So it's got a lot of stuff, but it's all mm -hmm. very like accessible and light. Right. And that's, that's part of what I like about it. Because I mean, as, as y'all have heard me say many times on this podcast, like I bump up against mechanics sometimes. I don't parse them that well when I'm reading them. And I parse Cavaliers just fine. And I understand the characters. And I love, like, like like we were saying, that you can fit, you know, 10 characters in a space that it would usually take to write one in a lot of other RPGs. Um, that's super helpful because we, we don't give them detailed backgrounds. Like, we let them make them up. 
Um, there are a couple of characters that are a little bit more detailed depending on the adventure. But for the most part, NPCs are that, you know, one or two sentence thing with their stats. And those stats are so much fun to make up, I have to tell you. Like, um, working on Witch Queen, like, I I just went ham. Because I, I was like, what, what would be a fun stat for this person to have? And I just wrote them. And, like, I don't remember getting any pushback on any of them. Uh, because they're it's it's a great way to define characters and one that I really haven't seen as much in other games. That's that's super super cool. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh no no no! I was just agreeing with you. Well, keep agreeing with me all you want. I will. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah, going uh, quickly tying into what Dixie said on she she wrote characters and Rose was just. Oh, but I think we all had that. Rose has an amazing confidence and. The creative process of the people she hires you know you, you pitch something completely weird and she's like yeah i'm sure you can make that work mm-hmm. so go ahead and write that she really does yeah no my um so the the opening to witch queen is uh this this thing called the great machine right it is one of the machines that apparently controls the canals as far as we can tell we don't know um and i had written that kind of as a supplementary little thing for the core and it didn't make it in in time which happens not a big deal. Still got paid for it. Don't worry about me. Um, but Rose decided to expand it and use it for the opening to Witch Queen. So she's like, oh, can you write an additional, you know, a couple thousand words on this and actually detail what goes on like under and inside it? So I just re- reworked the original one and put all that in there. And it really was just an idea that popped into my head. And people who know me know that like I'm mostly someone who writes to outline. I'm not a very like person who comes up with the initial idea for the most part. And so that was interesting for me because i unlike rose and steffi and 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 audrey and d and almost everybody else on the podcast i am not one of those folks who's just like i have an idea about a creative thing i'm more like that idea that person had is cool and i would like to expand on it you know and that's that's great i am i'm mostly a technical writer uh but the fact that cavaliers as a setting inspired me to write something in it is honestly an anomaly (laughs) for me like it is so rare that something makes me want to write something like right away. And that, that I think is a real testament to how interesting the setting is. Something that I had uh, started to say earlier Mm -hmm. is that something that I really enjoy about this setting is that it's getting, getting a little bit back to the, when we were talking about Vance novels earlier, Uh, Cavaliers of Mars is what used to be called uh, a romance novel um, where, Mm -hmm romance is referred to this big category of adventure stories that had like a little bit of flirting a little bit of like uh big feelings some monsters some politics like a little bit of everything so that you could like an edgar rice burroughs novel is a good example Mm -hmm. and i really but it's a it's a it's a style of novel that's largely fallen out of favor. Um, each of those individual pieces is kind of peeled off into its own separate genre. Right. Like you don't find too many, you don't find much swashbuckling in a hard science fantasy or a hard, a hard science fiction novel or a fantasy novel. You don't find a lot of romance outside of the genre. But in this setting, you can fit all of that uh, big emotion together into one game. And that's actually usually the thing that I pitch Cavaliers with, that it's like being in an Edgar Rice Burroughs novel, where you can have all of the feelings and all of the action and all of the weird science that you want. Yeah, that that's a really nice summation of it. Um, it, it, especially because I think one thing I like about Cavaliers is that it really is sci-fi fantasy and not in the way that it is either sci-fi or fantasy. 
it is straight up sci-fi fantasy like all together um and then yeah. yeah it like adds on that 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 romance which to me also includes things like intrigue and stuff like that um so you can do a romantic spy swashbuckling archaeology adventure with laser swords which sounds like a lot but it's honestly a vibe it sounds <laughs> I, like I it should it. be busy and yet it's not it all fits very naturally together it does and now i want to play a game like let's get it going okay can i have a big hat <laughs> yes of course okay fantastic I just saw a meme that's perfect for you, Dixie. I will show it to you after we're done with this. Okay. I will put it in the show notes. <laughs> Steffi? Yeah, I think we should do like a limited edition stream of Cavaliers. That would actually. be fabulous. And Dix- Dixie should be our uh, our game master. Oh, God. Yes. Well, we've nominated you Oh, now. no. I've run like two games ever. <laughs> oh, God. And like not not of Cavaliers, like games ever. <laughs> okay, it'll, How about it'll be Audrey? fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> you can do this. I say that we make Rose run it, but that's just me. Um, oh ooh. yeah, I mean well, it's been yeah, a minute since she's We know her and run. she likes us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we are uh, we are nominating Rose on the stream right now or on this podcast. Yeah, Rose, if you're listening to this, tell us when tell us when and where the game starts. Rose, if you're not listening to this, we've decided that you're running a game for us. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody tell her. She has to listen to find out. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm waiting for the invite. I'm going to get an angry text from her. Like, this drops. like Dixie, what did you do? <laughs> I'm going to text her right after this. <laughs> Fantastic. So one, one exercise that I think that they've done on some of the, the other roundtables that I really enjoyed was coming up with a bit of an adventure on the spot. And I think that we should try to do that for Cavaliers, like a natural adventure. Just, you know, little 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 fun improv. Not not actually doing the adventure, but just setting it up and how it how it starts. So, Audrey, where is it gonna be set? Ooh. So a setting that I really like that doesn't get uh, touched on much is Foresight, which mm-hmm. is the ghost city. And what is it about Foresight that you like? Foresight has a bunch of interesting hooks that I enjoy. Um, Basically all about being haunted and searching for ghosts. One of the characters has uh, discovered a text about a a famous Zayas that is not represented in any of the uh, caravan paintings that she's familiar with. And so she's like, what has happened to this person? Was he forgotten on purpose? Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so D, what is the overall tone of the game? What are the characters trying to accomplish? Oh, man, why are you asking me? Um, Because I'm asking everybody. So the tone of the game is kind of, man, hold on. I don't know how to answer this. (laughs) Why'd you ask me first? I didn't. I asked Audrey first. Oh, I I know, but... (laughs) Dang it. Well, we're in... Hey, I totally spitballed. It's fine. Whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, Okay, we're in a haunted ghost town, and the tone is, it's a mystery. We already know that we're looking to find out what happened to this Zayas person that's been erased almost from their history. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead of it just being that the mystery, there is a, a mystery inside of a mystery. Because when we get to this ghost town, we find that person there. They should oh. be ancient. Sweet. I love that. And Steffi, what are some of the characters that are going to play in this campaign? Give us a couple. Um, well, given the wetness, there should be at least one person who lives backwards through time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Seems um, legit. 
And yeah, uh, I think we should also have, uh, let me see, somebody who sees the future based on the city's name. So, uh, and then we need to move away from the time motif. So maybe somebody who splits themselves into multiple people. Oh, I love it. Ooh. And, 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 and that is something you can do in Cavaliers of Mars, yes? Yeah. And, and then several players would each play an aspect of that person. Oh, so you just like stuck a Bluebeard's Bride into Cavaliers of Mars, which I'm totally Oh, this into. is fun. I love this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so you, you'd have five characters, but sometimes there's three of them. Cause... Right, because they're... I yeah. love yeah, that. Because we have, yeah, we have the, the seer, the backwards in time person, and then the third person who is sometimes three people in themselves. And I'm going to say that because it's a ghost town, um, I'm going to riff a little bit on the Old West concept of a ghost town as opposed to a town full of ghosts. And at some point, there will be some kind of standoff. Yes. Nice. Because that every time that I hear ghost town, all I think of is, you know, the, like, tumbleweed, little, like, whistle sound. Yes. People drawing guns on each other. <laughs> so, yeah. So, we have all loved this game. I know it's been a hot minute since most of us worked on it because this is the interesting thing about our games that we put out and then don't make into, like, a, a, a big, big line. Um, is that sometimes they don't get talked about as much because they're not always on our brains. Uh, but I do know that almost every time, like I said, that we talk about like games in the Onyx Path catalog that I wish more people would look at, I, I always bring up Cavaliers. Because it, it can do so much, as we've all said. And it can do it all really, really well. And it can also do a lot of it at the same time, which I don't think a lot of games are as good at, which is fine because most of our other games and most other games in general, a lot of them get structured more like a TV show, kind of. Where it's like, okay, this is an intrigue scene. This is a you know procedural scene, and that that all makes sense. But Cavaliers of Mars really is like an, an an old school sci fi fantasy novel, where it's just jumping from thing to thing as it needs to, and doing it really smoothly. Um, and that's that's super cool to me. I I was also thinking that I think one of the the core elements of cavaliers and and you know even our, our little scenario that we created uh, -huh. uh is that a lot of the things that are happening are very um are very small time in the sense that like you're investigating a single person or you're dealing with a you know a nemesis who you know is upset with you over some maybe trifling thing mm -hmm. but you're not you're not saving the world you're not even saving the city that you're in you're you're just dealing with very small time situations and maybe there's a bigger mystery that you're solving or maybe you're figuring out why things aren't working anymore but that's not something you're stopping that's just maybe some exploration stuff that you're doing but most of what you're doing is very small in scope yeah i think part of the fact that it's set on a dying mars makes that really interesting because um, it is kind of the, you know, final days of the Empire kind of feeling. Yeah, all the right. stories are very personal. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. Right, because, like, when it gets to a point where there's nothing you technically can do to stop it, which that's kind of where we're at with Mars. Like, you're, you're, you're on this planet, you're probably not leaving it. There isn't, like, really good space travel. There's, there's slight space travel, but not, like, awesome space travel. You just have to kind of deal with the rest of your days as best you can, I think. Yeah, that, that is how I actually always pitch Cavaliers. Uh, I always say it's a weird fantasy game set in an apocalyptic world, and we will dance until the dying of the light. Mm -hmm, exactly. Like, chances are you're not going to actually have the apocalypse happen in your game, but it, it'll, it'll happen at some point, some point after. 
uh, which I find really interesting. And it, it, it weirdly doesn't add a horror element to it like I would expect that to. Like, there are horror elements in the game just because there are scary things in the world, but it doesn't, for all that it's set on a dying world, it feels a lot more hopeful to me than even a lot of, like, Chronicles or World of Darkness games. I think the fact that you can't do anything mm-hmm. um, creates a sense of freedom and, weirdly enough, of optimism. Right. Because, because every day that you live is the most important one. If there's not any room to save the world, then there's a lot of room for joy. Exactly that. I love that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I was just thinking that um, I would love to make a game, because you're right, you don't play through the apocalypse in this game. It is coming. We all know it's coming. There's nothing we could do about it. And so let's just, you know, indulge in our petty squabbles right now while we can Mm -hmm. um but i was thinking half to myself that like now i want to make a game in which you do play through the apocalypse and not like days after the apocalypse but like literally while it's happening Mm -hmm. so not not a pre or post apocalyptic game just an apocalyptic game yes i wonder what that would look like yeah and instead of a game set in the dying days of mars it'll be like the dying day yeah, yeah like the, dying the, this, this is the one yeah this is the death no okay hear, hear me out cavaliers of mars setting game of 10 candles because the whole point of 10 candles oh, is that everything ends yeah, 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 yeah. at the end yeah, of it that... oh, oh yeah, that, that would be cool yeah See, that I could run. I enjoy running 10 Candles because it's so collaborative. Hmm. Okay. I'm glad you volunteered. Rose, Same. Rose, I'm going to take your game and mash it up with 10 Candles <laughs> to <laughs> simulate the end of Mars. Uh, I think it'll be great. I'm there for it. <laughs> so everybody wants to know what we were talking about. Um, I've, I've talked about Cavaliers of Mars before. Definitely go check it out. There'll be links in the show notes. Um, there are, I think, a couple of videos and things up on YouTube that I can also link to. And I love it so much. And that's just maybe me being like, there's so much that I want to talk about. I can't pick one thing. Hopefully we've provided a good pitch for how much fun you can have playing the game. Even though we just spitballed a an <laughs> idea for a game over about five minutes, it sounds like so much fun to play. But none of us prepared anything. It's just like, oh, yeah, uh, here's this thing I remember. And here's a tone that seems like it might be fun. And, oh, we could mix in this other system. Yeah, it's it's really easy to come up with a very cool idea for a game very quickly. Yeah, yeah, it totally is. So with all that said, we are getting close to time. Uh, so I'll go ahead and do this. Let's just do the same order that we did before. Uh, Danielle, if people want to find you, follow you, talk to you about Cavaliers of Mars or your apocalyptic game that you're going to be working on, uh, where would they do so? Uh, do not perceive me. Uh, that's <laughs> not true. <laughs> You can find me at daniellelozon.com. Uh, I have links to my Twitter and Facebook and some other things in there. I'm also sometimes on Discord, uh, can be found lurking in the Onyx Path Discord. Sometimes I'll respond to things. Sometimes I'll just uh, buzz off and, and ignore <laughs> it for, for days at a time. That's okay. One of my friends just got back to me who I messaged on Discord like two months ago. And she was like, I haven't logged in in two months. And I was like, it's okay. I got the answer from your wife <laughs> because it was about us hanging out that night. So it's okay if you don't check Discord all the time. Uh, Steffi, people find you, follow you. If there's anything you want to plug, talk about, go for it. Um, yeah, people can find me online um, at 100 things I love and 100 is a number. And then in my, on Twitter, that is 100 things I love. And then my bio has my link tree. Um, 
very recently uh, Uncaged Goddesses came out on the yes. DMs Guild for those of you who play D&D 5th edition it's amazing I wrote an adventure about Mother Night who gives women who've been wronged the power to take revenge in exchange for a price because she's Mother Night mm-hmm. um, and also I work as a staff writer developer for Angry Hamster Publishing we have two games out uh, one is Afterlife Wandering Souls, where you died and you ended up in the afterlife, but it's the wrong afterlife, and now you have to go find the right one. And the other one is Witch Fated Souls, where you sold your soul to a demon for power and then woke up next morning and were like, oh, well, that was a bad idea. And then you have to fix it. Uh, we have a couple of things coming out this year that I can't talk about, but that people will love. So you should go find us on Twitter. I am working on that thing with Steffi and it's so cool holy crap it sounds so cool after working on witch queen with Steffi I just want to work on more things with Steffi because it's really fun to work with Steffi um also I have my beautiful limited edition copy of uh two women 12 games that I highly recommend oh I'm so happy you've got that that was amazing to work on so yeah so people should check out Angry Hamster Publishing because we've got things coming this year I like giving my boyfriend grief because he got the black copy and I have the pretty pink one I'm like, ha, 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 ha. I got the special <laughs> edition. Um, <laughs> and Audrey? Okay. Um, I am taking a little bit of a break right now from That's fine. the the industry as a whole. I was recently diagnosed with some autoimmune problems, and I'm trying to get that under control before I really take more contracts. Completely understandable. I have recently worked with Rose on an upcoming project that she is working on that has been a lot of fun. I don't know if she announced it on her podcast, um, but it is, I don't think a spoiler to say that it is based on the Sasha stories. I've been, I've been, I've been getting sent things for this because yeah. she likes to show me the things she's working on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, D, yes, D, this, this could be you. You could be getting insight into uh, all of Rose's projects. Uh, <laughs> you... I'm just going to say that Rose is sharing design documents with us. Yeah, constantly. She oh loves talking God. about her games. She will love I... talking about your games, I promise. Oh, my God. Yes, okay, okay, you've convinced me. Yay. If you insist on perceiving me, you can find me on Twitter at Terra Obscura. Uh, it's a lot of shit posting, but some game design. I mean, I am here for this. I don't know posting. why we're not friends Audrey, because we do the same thing. (laughs) It's because my uh, Twitter name is not my actual name, so nobody knows who I am. Except Ah. now everyone on the podcast knows who I am. Well, yeah. We're all going to start following you now. Dixie, I don't know if you are following me already. I don't know if I am or not, actually. I know Meredith is. I might be. I have no idea. I will check when I hang up the call here. Because if I check right now, I'm just going to be silent and typing, and that's not good audio. Um, <laughs> as always, you can find me everywhere at Dixie Cyanide. That's Discord, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Don't follow me on Facebook. That's weird. You can find us at theonyxpath.com, the Onyx Path on most social media. Thank you all for joining and talking about Cowlers of Mars, this game that we love so much. I'm assuming it's one of the 100 things Steffi loves. <laughs> it definitely is. It's top 10 material. And as always, many worlds, one pathcast. <laughs>